Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome in, everybody, to a special edition of the Longhorn Republic Burnt Orange Nation podcast. We figured it was, uh, it felt right to get on for the spring game. But before we jump in, I'd love to remind you if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all of those fun places. Well, my name is Gerald Goodridge. Uh, I'm your host like I am every week. And I'm actually joined by the man himself, Westcott Eberts. What's your official title over at BON? Well, technically they call me the team side producer, but yeah, basically the editor. I call the shots, you know. The man himself. Kyle cannot join us. He is not only uh, in Austin, he is currently waiting for Ludacris to take the stage as we record. So we, we didn't feel like waiting for him. So uh, the spring game has come and gone. Spring practice is officially over. Students have about a month left on campus, which means we can start speculating wildly and probably uh, irresponsibly about what all of this means for the 2019 season. So, Westcott, what were your impressions, your thoughts after uh, after the orange and white game? Uh, I think my major sh- uh, thought is just how impressed I was with the defense. Uh, as Tom Herman noted in his postgame press conference, uh, you know, they've, they've taken some shots from the offense in the spring uh, in the scrimmages. Uh, a lot of practice clips coming out of the offense producing explosive plays. Uh, that wasn't able to happen tonight, you know, for a variety of reasons. Uh, largely the fact that the wind was blowing uh, approximately 150 miles an hour <laughs> at uh, Daryl K. Royal Texas Memorial Stadium tonight. That's a slight exaggeration, uh, but not very much. You know, Herman noted that it was uh, it was difficult to even throw, you know, bubble screens. So, you know, just a really tough night for the uh, the quarterbacks. The defense was able to take advantage of that. But what I really liked is that big changes on the defensive line. I thought the defensive line held the line of scrimmage well, even though Herman said that the offensive line, the, the first team offensive line, has improved significantly. I mean, I, you know, I think that's true. You know, the linebackers played well. Uh, they held up in the running game. And they also made some really nice plays in coverage, too. Jeffrey McCulloch had an interception that he returned that um, led to the only touchdown of the game. Uh, Joseph Osai ran with Jordan Whittington on a on a wheel route and was right there to to force a tough throw that that Whittington wasn't quite able to come up with and even Eodele um, uh was able to uh, cover Joshua Moore in, in the slot down the seam and, and force a broken pass so you know I, I think that was really maybe the best that I, I've seen the linebackers uh, for Texas play in pass coverage you know in recent years games 
uh, practices, you know, scrimmages, anything like that. Uh, so I, th- I think that's really encouraging for Todd Orlando. You know, and then the uh, the cornerbacks really showed up too. Uh, Jalen Green was tough. Uh, I'm not sure the coaches really liked Marvin Overshone throwing a big hit on Casey Thompson, but you know that's what Overshone does, and he decided to do it again, even though the quarterback was non-contact. You know, I thought Green looked good, and the defense really did a good job of controlling the perimeter with all the bubble screens and uh, horizontal passing game that Texas had to go to with the wind, and um, you know they held up physically. You know, they made tackles, very few missed tackles. Uh, that was kind of a theme in a lot of the practice clips. You know, so as Herman mentioned, good to send the defense into the offseason with a little bit of confidence. And, you know, the, I think the offense is going to be fine. And, and so I think that's a good sign for the Longhorns replacing eight starters on that side of the ball and even with some injuries, too. To me, it felt like it was more about how well the defense played rather than the offense looking poor, because there are about a 1,001 different things. Dropped passes from guys that won't drop those this, you know, not this time next year, but uh, come the fall of next year. The the secondary you mentioned looked good in spite of missing two guys that are probably going to start for every game next year in, in Brandon Jones and Caden Stearns. And you mentioned specifically Jalen Green. He played way more physical than I expected him to be. He's a bigger guy, but being able to run straight through Malcolm Epps twice, I think, in that game, who Malcolm Epps is probably the biggest receiver in the conference, I'd I'd say. That was an impressive showing. I I can't get over the pass coverage from the linebackers. It all looked really good. So I guess there is that, that natural overreaction from fans when you see this kind of performance in the spring. So what should... Or how should people temper their expectations in light of, or maybe temper their responses in light of uh, all of the the crazy extenuating circumstances that happened uh, leading up to that performance? Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing is just not worrying about the offense. Um, you know, Herman talked about you know how the running game, for instance, produced more explosive plays in the 14 spring practices than they did all of last season. You know, Jordan Whittington and, and Keontae Ingram were the big stories there. Uh, Whittington has taken to the position really quickly. Um, you know, he didn't really have any big plays um, until later in the game, had a catch in the uh, the second half and then a run. Those went for about, I think, 35 yards total. Um, you know, but I liked what I saw from him uh, just in terms of being able to get behind his pads, you know, run hard, not really looking to bounce things outside. And, you know, that, that fits with what Herman has been saying about how quickly Whittington has adjusted to a position that he's never played before. Uh, Keontae Ingram only had two carries, you know, in the game, but he's gotten a lot stronger. He's reading defenses better. Um, he's breaking tackles. You know, one clip really showed, you know, great balance where he, you know, braced himself on the ground for three full steps before he made one of his signature slide cuts. So, you know, people who are worried about the offense, um, I don't think that they should be concerned about it. You know, the wind was just such a huge factor today. You know, as I mentioned before we started the show, you know, Texas has a returning starting quarterback. Like, we have a, a full offseason now to think about just how amazing that is. You know, even David Ash, I was a big fan of his 2012 season, you know, but I think <clears throat> there were still questions about whether he could take the next step. A lot of fans were unconvinced about him. You know, he's certainly not naturally as, as charismatic, and he doesn't have some of the, the leadership qualities that Sam Ellinger has that, you know, his teammates and Colt McCoy and, you know, his coach have, have really been raving about, you know, in recent days and in various venues. And so, you know, just the fact that, you know, there are only five quarterbacks who had had as many passing yards and rushing touchdowns 
touchdowns and passing touchdowns. I don't remember how exactly the stat went, um, but uh, I think it was Sewer Mandel over at, at The Athletic who, who brought that out, and Tom Herman has been talking about. There are only five other quarterbacks in history who have done that, and all five of them won the Heisman Trophy. You know, so last season, you know, I mean, certainly in, in Texas history too, it was a really superlative one for Sam Ellinger. He, you know, he was a little, looked a little bit, you know, sloppy to open the game, kind of found it, his rhythm a little bit more. But, you know, it, it doesn't matter how he performs in the spring game because Texas fans know what they're going to get from him in the fall. Tom Herman knows that. Tim Beck knows that. Everybody on the Longhorns roster knows that. So there, there's nothing really to worry about there. And, you know, I think the, the biggest developments that happened for the offense in terms of producing big plays in the passing game and in the running game, you know, happened behind the scenes. And, you know, as I mentioned, we were able to see some of those in the practice clips. And, you know, I, I think those will tell a lot more during the season than they did in the spring game tonight when they're pretty vanilla. Tom Herman mentioned that, you know, they've installed a bunch of new RPOs, the run pass options that they didn't want to show. You know, I imagine that Larry Fedora the former North Carolina coach who came in as a football analyst. I imagine that he's probably really helped with that. You know, that was one of the things that, that made the most sense for him to really be able to contribute uh, this season. And so, you know, it's always very vanilla on offense um, in the spring game. And, you know, the defense was really able to load up and not have to worry about the deep passing game. On the flip side in the secondary, because that wasn't really an option, you know, we still don't have a great sense of, you know, how Texas is going to hold up on the back end, you know, but getting Caden so Sims back and Brandon Jones will certainly help them. I mean, you can take some things away from this. Obviously, this isn't the end-all, be-all um, for the the expectations for next year. But as we look, what are, what are a couple of things that you still maybe have questions about, have concerns about uh, heading into 2019 uh, in, in areas that you want to see Texas shore up, whether it's uh, through practice or through, you know, if it's a another late addition, anything like that, where, where you want to see Texas shore that up to, to hopefully propel them to greater heights in uh, in 2019. Yeah, well, I think, you know, the number one and two areas, you know, really are defensively, third down defense um, and creating turnovers. You know, two interceptions today, that was a positive sign, especially, you know, Jeffrey McCulloch coming up with another interception. He's looked good, you know, in pass coverage in his time at Rover, a position that, you know, coming into the spring, I thought he really needed to own, and, and he's done that. You know, Texas needs to produce more turnovers than they did last year. Um, I think their their fumble luck was bad. You know, maybe that will reverse itself. Maybe we'll have another year of bad luck. Um, Texas needs to finish those turnovers with more touchdowns than they did last year, uh, something that they're really good at, you know, in 2017. And, you know, is also, you know, partly just, a, you know, a measure of luck and, you know, the situations and areas and, and players who make those plays. But, the, you know, the third down defense as well, Texas really struggled to get off the field last year. Um, Herman mentioned during spring practice that, you know, kind of uh, suggested that Todd Orlando wasn't mixing up um, his coverages with his blitzes. So if teams saw a, a certain blitz, then the quarterbacks knew that they would be getting a certain coverage on the back end. Um, you know, ideally, I, I, you know, I think that, you know, that's something that Texas would, you know, could do a better job of self-scouting during the season. Um, but it also makes sense given the results and just the nature of, of being a defensive coordinator, you know, in a second year in a new league. So I think Texas really needs to get better there. And some of that, you know, one thing is finding an elite pass, uh, pass rusher. Malcolm Roach, you know, may be able to become that guy, one of the strongest players on the team. You know, there's been a lot of talk about him this spring. 
know, Joseph Osai is a guy that Orlando really likes, uh, really fluid, really powerful, you know, throwing out of his hips. Yeah, it's really uh, drawn a lot of buzz, too, and, and you know, it's just uh, made a lot of progress in the weight room. Uh, but, you know, in 2017, the other thing that happened was that Texas had a lot of different blitzers who they felt com- uh, comfortable sending after the quarterback. You know, last year from the secondary, it was largely B.J. Foster. And so I think if Texas can develop uh, a more diverse group of blitzers, um, then I think that that will help it, uh, Todd Orlando be a little bit more diverse with his calls and, and not place so much pressure, you know, on the defensive line to be able to make those plays. And I think that's that'll be interesting to see, especially with the uh, relative thinness at linebacker due to injuries and and those types of things. So we talked a lot about the defense. Offensively, we talked about Sam Ellinger and really let's not sweat it. He you saw the stat like seven times. He accounted for more off more scoring than the three Heisman finalists, at least percentage wise of his team scoring. So I think we'll I think Texas will be okay in that in that avenue. You touched briefly on Jordan Whittington and Keontae Ingram. But I think that's probably the biggest question on offense is what is this running game going to look like? What's the offensive line going to look like uh, in front of those running backs? So, and Tom Herman even said in his post game that they're still not confident they have a second set of guys. And so, did you see anything from the offensive line that causes for concern, really, other than the relative thinness? And and is there anything uh, that you can say, any people you can point to, maybe uh, that you could or should see step up for 2019? And I thought it was notable that uh, Jordan Angelau stepped up and uh, was working with the first team today. Uh, that's a development during spring practice because uh, Tope Amade was working with that first team group at left guard. You know, of course, Texas will probably receive an upgrade there uh, with graduate transfer Parker Braun, a two-time All-AC selection who's coming in. And I saw a picture of him, you know, working out. He's, he's trying to add some mass. You know, he played under 300 pounds at, at Georgia Tech. Super strong kid. Like very lean still. He'll be a definite upgrade uh, for Texas, and he'll help. With the second-team offensive line, that's been a concern for Herman. It's kind of tough. J.P. Urquidez has been playing inside. You know, he's a guy who hasn't been able to see the field at, at tackle. You know, I think he just he plays a little bit high and, you know, just doesn't really have the strength to be a good guard, so that's very limiting. Rafidi Germay, you know, as people notice, had a lot of trouble snapping the football today. It looked like it really impacted his, his confidence. He's a guy who hasn't played that position before. Just based on what I saw, you know, it's, it's hard to evaluate, you know, the offensive line on the fly. You know, but I, I think Reese Moore and um, Christian Jones at tackle, are, you know, are both promising players. You know, Sam Cosme, of course, with that first team group and, and Zach Shackelford, you know, are real anchors on that line. And, you know, they, they both have a chance, I think, to be, you know, all Big 12 performers this year. Running behind them, we saw flashes from Whittington, uh, especially in the second half. Uh, you said Keontae Ingram only got two touches, so there's n- nothing really to judge there other than the 15 pounds of muscle he put on, allegedly. What should expectations be like coming out of spring practice, coming out of a couple of scrimmages where those two guys, Whittington and Ingram, earned offensive or you know, offensive player of the week or, I guess, player of the scrimmage for the second-to-last scrimmage before the Orange and White game? Yeah, I have to say, you know, just for me personally, based on, you know, everything that I've, I've seen and heard this spring, you know, I feel a lot better about the running game coming out. Tom Herman mentioned that as one of the things that, was a, a big emphasis in spring practice this year. You know, I think they've improved there, as I've mentioned, having Whittington at the position and how quickly he's acclimated to it. Just the ways that, you know, Keontae Ingram, you know, has grown as a running back and, 
you know, I, I think, frankly, in the running game, you know, Texas may very well have uh, some additions by subtraction, you know, on the offensive line, even though they lost those three starters. So, you know, I think there's a lot of reason to feel optimistic uh, that Texas, you know, they had went back and looked. They didn't have a run over 40 yards last year. I think there are only maybe five or so other schools in the FCS that didn't uh, weren't able to accomplish that. And then they only had five runs um, over 30 yards. So, you know, just a, an offense that really lacked explosiveness, you know, forced them to grind out so many drives. You know, so it wasn't just a passing game, you know, that, that failed to produce big plays. It was a running game, too. You know, given how well Texas tackled tonight compared to some of the things that, you know, we've seen in spring practice and the improvement of Ingram and, and Whittington, I, I think that's going to be much better on that side of the ball. And I think those explosive plays are going to start coming for Texas. And I think as they progress, I think Sam Ellinger gets better because he won't have to take that physical punishment and he won't have to be the guy who grinds out all the tough yards because he's got a running back that can do that. Uh, Casey Thompson, who would have to come in if Ellinger does get banged up, had a, probably one of the better games offensively of any player uh, we had out there through the ball pretty well over through a couple of guys in spots, but really flashed his running ability. That's a, was another area of concern heading in is what happens if Sam Ellinger gets hit. Did Casey Thompson's performance give you any sort of peace or any sort of peace of mind about if Sam Ellinger, if the worst happens, he gets hurt, that he can carry the offense in the interim? I think the caveat to all of this is that the way that the teams were structured and the lack of depth that Texas has at linebacker and in the secondary, he was going, to, you know, against a lot of walk-ons. Um, so that's something to understand. I mean, Texas has good walk-on linebackers. Luke Brockermeyer, you know, flashed some today, as did, as did Russell Hine. So, I mean, that's that's a caveat to all of it. You know, Thompson looked really explosive in the running game, as he did last year. That was both in the design quarterback running game and then being decisive and, and pulling the ball down on scrambles. You know, much as we saw Sam Ellinger do early in his career, and I think as he progresses – you know, and, it, and it's not as windy, you know, it'd be good to see him be able to make plays outside of the pocket, you know, down the field. Uh, but right now, what I liked was that, you know, he wasn't really forcing balls. He threw an interception, you know, into the wind where it looked like his arm got hit, uh, but didn't really, you know, seriously uh, put the ball, you know, in a lot in a lot of jeopardy. You know, he dealt with a lot of drop passes, you know, on accurate passes. Um, so I think that his development is really coming along. And, you know, it's right about where, um, you know, the coaches, you know, expect him to be and hope him to be, you know, certainly he doesn't have the game experience of Shane Bouchelle. Um, you know, but the last year, you notice when, when Ellinger came out of the game and Bouchelle went in the quarterback running game, because Texas didn't have another backup that they trusted, you know, was really limited. And, you know, that could certainly be the case if Thompson has to play this fall, but if they do use the quarterback running game, um, that's an area that, that Thompson can really, provide a lot more dynamic ability, you know, than even, you know, Sam Ellinger can. Um, and that's an area where the offense uh, won't really take a hit if he has to play this year. And I think the RPOs that they talked about not showing, but adding to the, to the playbook and adding to what they can do would really highlight what Casey Thompson is best at uh, in the offense. So I guess we'll wrap up here. What, what do you think Coming out of spring practice, what should we really be focusing focusing in on and looking at as Texas kind of heads into the 
2019 season in earnest. Like, what should we be paying attention for? What should we be watching for? And and uh, what should fans really keep an eye on? Yeah, I think Texas fans, um, you know, should continue to to watch the running back position and to you know track the growth of the offensive line and and see if when preseason camp starts, you know, the running backs are still able to produce those big plays. And then just um, you know the growth of a defense that that needs to find answers you know, at multiple levels, uh, but showed some really positive signs in terms of, um, you know, creating turnovers, getting off the field on third down, um, being in position, rallying to the football, you know, and, and not missing tackles too. There are very few missed tackles in this spring game. And that's something that, you know, Todd Orlando will certainly like as, as he watches uh, the tape of it. Awesome. Westcott, I really appreciate you taking some time out, man. Uh, when, when folks want some more from you, where can they find you on the internet? Yeah, burnorangenation.com. Uh, posting regular content on Twitter, SBN underscore Westcott, W-E-S-C-O-T-T. Make sure you double the T's. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at G-H Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. And you can always shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. We'll be back on our normal schedule. So we'll be there for your Tuesday workouts and commutes. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, hook up. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, Just go to cars.com. It's magical.